podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast with me, Rich Ferraro. Welcome to what is a combined show this week. It is a match report on Wednesday night's victory on penalties over Bristol City in the FA Cup. And it is also the return of our Friday Five. And with that, let's get straight over to the 1865 news desk and we will hear from our very own news hound, Jamie Martin. Hi, this is Jamie Martin with your top five forest stories from the 1865 news desk. Now the headline of this week's news, Joe Worrell has left Nottingham Forest on loan. The Forest Club captain, Joe Worrell, who has been at the club since infancy, has left the club on loan to join Turkish Super League club Besiktas. Worrell, who has been club captain for the last two years, captained his club to championship success with the Reds reaching the Premier League for the first time in 23 years. Despite the success, Worrell eventually fell down the pecking order seeing limited minutes before an alleged fallout with then-head coach Steve Cooper saw him banished from his first-team training exercises alongside his colleague Scott McKenna, now also departed. Worrell would have had chances under Nuno, but they were limited and not enough to impress. The English defender joins the Eagles on a loan deal until the end of June, with a buy option in place worth roughly £3.5 million. Wishing Joe all the best in his move, and thank him for his ultimate contribution. Now, loan news. This week, Nottingham Forest are going to review Divock Origi's loan spell after injury woes. AC Milan striker on loan at Nottingham Forest, Divock Origi, is set to have his loan reviewed further after significant injury issues in the Forest squad. Since signing for Forest, Origi is another name that has been seen limited action and during the spells where he did play, failed to impress. Arriving with anticipation, Origi has so far failed to live up to expectations, but with Forest lacking in the forward department with availability issues present, any thoughts of Origi's loan being terminated have been put on hold for the time being. Forrest are likely to keep hold of the Belgian forward till at least the end of his loan, despite MLS interest. Previous reports suggested the loan would be cut short after a poor career so far at the City Round. Now, the third piece of news in this week's newsreel, Chris Wood is set to miss six to eight weeks of action with a hamstring issue. Despite Nuno's initial verdict that Wood would be out for some time, but not a long time, the Portuguese head coach later confirmed the forward would be absent for around six to eight weeks, meaning return would be nearer late March slash April time. Nottingham Forest top scorer this season with eight goals in the Premier League. Having Wood absent is certainly not a positive, but with Tawani now back and fit, Forest fans are hoping that their Nigerian star can pick up where he left up left off and stay fit after his successful groin surgery and recovery around the new year. Wood suffered the hamstring issue after the club's fixture against Arsenal last week and will now undergo rehabilitation with club medical staff. FA Cup news then. Forest are into the next round of the FA Cup after beating Bristol City. A cold Wednesday night on Trentside saw the Reds, Nottingham Forest come out victorious over Liam Manning's well-oiled Bristol City side in a game that was not always easy on the eyes but was ended by a penalty shootout. Forrest opened the scoring earlier on after a cross found the head of Felipe, who somersaults in excitement as he marks his return back to the first team in style. However, Forrest wouldn't hold the lead for long as former Derby man Jason Knight levels the scoring. The two sides exchanged shots, close encounters, but nothing came off them, even in extra time. A penalty shootout was the decider and Forrest won it after Tower Awanyi's final penalty. The Reds are unbeaten in penalty shootouts since the 90s and if it's anything to go by, probably have one of the best records in the league for it. Forrest will now take on Manchester United in the next round of the FA Cup on February 28th. And lastly then for this week's news, injury returns for Nottingham Forest. After a series of unfortunate injuries, Forrest has seen the return of some of their stars in a time where they are perhaps needed most. 
Anthony Alanga returned recently from a thigh issue, getting significant minutes against Bristol City. Also, Tawani, who returned against Arsenal, got also got minutes against the away side in the FA Cup. And Felipe, of course, also returns after issues with a muscle injury and started in the recent home win. Divock Origi also played the most minutes since arriving at the club against Bristol City as he returned from an injury. Moussa Kate and Cheku Kiate also returned from AFCON after Senegal's loss to Ivory Coast last week with the pair featuring in the FA Cup as starters on Wednesday night. And uh, Ola Aina is still out at AFCON alongside Ibrahim Sangare and Willy Bolly. So still three players at AFCON, but they'll be playing in the final of AFCON very soon. So returns expected in uh, later in the month. Lots of returns though, only downside being Chris Wood who remains out for a further five to six weeks with a hamstring issue. So that's the latest from the 1865 News Desk. I'm Jamie Martin. Be sure to catch up with me on social media via at I'm Jamie Martin on Twitter. Updates on Nottingham Forest related news throughout the week. Take care and we'll see you soon. Thank you very much, Jamie. And uh... I've got Tom and Baz here with me, and uh, we're going to start off with something that Jamie, well, basically, as soon as he uh, sent us his news bulletin, we had the breaking news of Forrest's 25-man squad being announced, and uh, there's a couple of surprises in there. So just quickly to run through it, there's five goalkeepers, including the uh, three who've been signed this season, Hennessy and George Shelby. We've got uh, a one ye Wood and a Rigi up front. And then in defence, we've got the return of Richie Larea. And in midfield, we've got Atif Kanate being mentioned there. So, Baz, just to start with you, there's a, there's a few surprises in there, aren't there? Uh, yeah, the five goalkeepers makes me think um, <laughs> he's just hedging his bets a bit there. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, I, don't, I don't, obviously, I don't know about the new one, but, um, and, well, Shelby's still very young, but yeah, the other three haven't really impressed, have they? So maybe he's just uh, hoping for the best there. And um, Tom, you before we started recording, you were just saying you'd forgotten how to pronounce Richie Larea's name. That's how long it's been since he's been involved. So do you think that the fact that he's included, maybe Hennessy being included, um, with the reduction of squad size, with the likes of McKenna and Worrell leaving, quite a lot of other departures um, of players lower down the pecking order, do you think it's just a possibility that um, Nuno's kind of packing out the squad and, and kind of making sure that he's naming 25 players, even if some of them are definitely not going to play? Yeah, pretty much. I think this is just like a um, whistle-stop tour, isn't it, for uh, Larea? I can see him been loaned out again when the MLS season starts or when they can start signing players again. So it's just been one of those signings, hasn't it, where you know, we brought him in thinking Spence was going to go back to Middlesbrough a few years back and he stayed and then got promoted and the club's basically uh, gone to the Premier League and probably the step up probably a bit too much for him. I know we haven't seen much of him, but... Um, but yeah, it's just, just one of those then um, with, with the others. I think it... There's not really many surprises in there. Probably Canate, in a way, I would have thought he would have gone on loan uh, by now, but everybody else just picks themselves uh, pretty much, don't they? So uh, then we've obviously Warren and McKenna gone. It's just a matter of filling in those uh, voids uh, left by them pair. Mm, and uh, Baz, coming back to you, I mean, the squad looks a bit imbalanced on paper because we've only got Felipe Nierkate and Bolly as centre-halves. We've only got three forwards, but of course... 
Um, at the back, Murillo and Omar Bamadeli are under 21, so they don't have to be listed. Up front, Ribeiro and Alanga uh, and Gio Reyna, they are under 21, so they don't have to be listed. So that that kind of explains why some of the more surprising names are in the official squads, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping Kanate does get to play because I saw him years and years ago. He's been hanging around, sort of like about to make his breakthrough for such a long time. So I quite fancy seeing him. Mm-hmm. And um, just uh, last thing on the squad. Uh, I mean, as as Tom alluded to there, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those players move on before before, <laughs> before they even get a chance. I mean, we know that, uh, as as Jamie mentioned, the MLS window is is going to be open. We can see Larea and maybe Origi uh, moving on, depending upon the fitness issues of others. So, um, so Baz... I mean, Nuno said he wanted to reduce his squad. So this is the ultimate illustration of the fact that that's happened, yeah? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. I mean, if you look at the... I've just got the, the list of the contracted players under 21. And, um, I mean, that's a huge list. But, yeah, not many of them are going to make it into the first team. So when you've got a, a squad of 25 plus only a few, a handful of others that are under 21 that are going to make it there we, it kind of looks a bit thin but I guess that's the way it goes and uh, you know I mean we could add in there I suppose that for example the likes of Omar and Murillo have have played a lot more games than we perhaps expected at the time that they uh that they were named as the squad named you know brought into the squad mm-hmm. so um okay let's let's move on to uh the other most recent news, which was that Forest have got through to the fifth round of the FA Cup, where they will play Manchester United. Uh, Tom, it was not a classic, was it? No, it wasn't. It was pretty awful, and um, you can see why the TV companies um, thought better of uh, having us on the uh, box last night because obviously you had the Chelsea Villa game on, then um, Leeds Plymouth for, uh, from Tuesday, which was on uh, BBC. But no, it wasn't uh, that great of a game. I thought when we scored first, I thought we was like, um, keep the ball a lot better and hopefully get a second and possibly a third. And that's not being disrespectful to um, Bristol, but we're like, let Bristol back into the game. And looking where they are in the league, I, I think they should be striving for like playoffs. Uh, really. I, I think they've got a decent up and coming manager because he had a decent, um, time at Oxford and they've got some like decent uh, players there. They're just, you know, they're, they're probably a striker missing from being like knocking on the door of the playoffs. So, um, but yeah, going back to our perspective is, yeah, it wasn't a great game. And um, I think you, everybody around us knew it was going to end on a penalty shootout last night. And um, just, just staying with you, Tom, I mean, I've, I was working last night, so I've only seen the highlights um, that are presented on the website, but um, I, I kind of felt that Bristol City were a little bit unlucky. They had a lot more high-quality shots. Turner had to make some saves. Um, there's a question mark. I'm surprised that VAR didn't have something to say about Origi's goal because it definitely looked at first glance to me like it had come off his hand. So, um, so yeah, were, were Forrest a bit lucky? I think on the balance of play, I think a draw was the right result if it was a league game. And then, obviously, you had the extra time when... If... Um, Push towards an answer. I think Bristol just edged it in the um, in extra time. I think they had the couple of the better openings, and there was a couple of chances where one just um, I think I can't remember who it was. Now he stretched and that went wide, and there was a shot what went over Turner's goal. 
um, and everything. So, um, yeah, an extra time they look the better side. Then we picked up the ball and a couple of like uh, quick passes and we was in the attacking sense. But, yeah, our finishing wasn't there last night. I mean, there was a chance where Awani was kind of through then. He, he's checked back and then the defenders got in and um, and obviously um, stopped him from scoring. So, um, yeah, it, it wasn't a great watch um, last night. And, mm. and I mean, I certainly... Think... There was the chance that um, I don't know um, which Bristol player it was, to be honest, but um, in the second half of extra time where the ball went through, the cross was on the line and and uh, the, the Forest player, I think is uh, Omar Bamadeli might have been back with the um, uh, with the Bristol City players. To all ends, even knowing the score, I was expecting it to go in watching watching the highlights. Yeah, and, yeah. it's a bit like that Castle one, wasn't it? Uh, year 96, when you, like, you look back and... And thinking that's going to go in, and obviously you know the answer. And it was a bit like it last night. You've seen the um, watch the match, and and then the highlights or whatever, and you still think it's going in, and you just don't know how it. Uh, it was harder to uh, harder to miss than uh, to score, but somehow mm. they, they missed it. But uh, thankfully we we hung on and uh, went to um, extra time. But and then we won on penalties. But yeah, I just think um, yeah. It wasn't a great game uh, to watch. It was a bit of a ball fest, to be honest. And I mean, when you've got a game which is a um, what ninety minutes plus um, an extra half an hour for extra uh, extra time and the penalties, and you only have like three minutes of on the BBC website of highlights, it just tells you everything, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a, that's one way of looking at it. Um, let's just talk about uh, some of the players who. Got some minutes. So uh, Jamie did mention it there. So we had Felipe playing the full 120. Origi uh, started and got plenty of minutes under his belt. Taiwo got some more minutes. Anthony Alanga got some more minutes. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Kuyate and Niakate made their comebacks after AFCON. So if nothing else, as a, as a kind of fitness exercise, that would have been good for the squad, wouldn't it, Tom? It would. And... Um... I think with um, Awani, I was kind of surprised because obviously with Wood out, you've got to basically wrap him in cotton wool because God forbid Awani picks up a, a long-term injury. Um, we're technically screwed because you can't... Origi hasn't really put Wood up many trees, has he, since he's uh, joined on loan. I know he scored last night, but he's been in and out of the side for injuries or whatever. And then you brought the kid from uh, Sporting, haven't we, Ribeiro, and you can't really put it on all on his shoulders so uh, yeah I think we've got to be very very careful with um, Awanyi um, it's nice to see Alanga Alanga started really well actually he was um, trying to get down there our left there right and and he he is getting back I mean the last couple of games he's probably like just lack that bit of match sharpness but yeah bit, uh, I think that will put him in good stead for the, uh, the weekend and he's another player that because of how he is, you've got to wrap him in cotton wool. And even Hudson Adoy, I mean, he's that sick. It was a horrible challenge from Billing. And I was very surprised to see him uh, in the squad last night because I, he's had problems with his Achilles. And um, he put it on Instagram, didn't he? When players do that and you're thinking they're out, then put some kind of Instagram, they're usually an indicator that they're going to be in the squad. And um, and yeah, and it was pleasant to see him in the, uh, in the side because obviously I just feared the worst when he uh, hobbled off. And I thought, oh, here we go. It's and he he got that goal, and he's probably needed that goal just to like kickstart him again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's until the word like get Sangari back. I think we uh, the squad picks itself at the moment because we're down to the bare bones and players are on running on the fumes, aren't they? 
Yeah, and Baz, I was going to come to that. So obviously um, with the players who are missing, plus Yates and Dominguez being suspended for the cup, uh, you know, Nuno did was forced into seeing what Forrest looked like playing with three at the back. And um, it also saw Morgan Gibbs-White playing 120 minutes, but he looked like he was crocked in extra time uh, with a run of, uh, you know, Premier League matches coming up and Gibbs-White being given the captain's armband when Yates isn't playing. It seems as though, you know, we're, we're going to be hoping that he's OK, aren't we? Yeah, I mean... The, the only bright spot is uh, is that potentially uh, Gio Reyna likes playing as a number 10, so that gives us a bit of cover for Morgan if he could fit in and hit the ground running, as it were. But that's the thing with playing all these games and taking them to replays and extra time, isn't it? Especially when you're down to a small squad, is it's going to take it out of you. Mm, yeah. Um, just finally on this one, uh, Tom, Obviously, with the new signings being Ill- ineligible to play, uh, so obviously Matt Sells, Gio Reyna and Rodrigo Ribeiro, it meant that, as well as Origi playing up front, we saw Matt Turner come in in goal. Uh, just be honest, how did he do? Did he did he restore some faith in his abilities? Um, he did all right. Um, he made a couple of uh, decent saves. Um, there's been a bit of criticism last night and... Um, I've only seen one angle of it, and which is the normal television broadcast, what you see. And I haven't seen the replays when they have a different angle. Um, some people were like criticising, should he have done better on the shot, what like tipped on the, to the post? And that I think that's just like splitting hairs, really. Um, yeah, he did all right. Um, he's still jittery when the ball's at his um, feet. He's, yeah, he's just like treats it like a grenade kind of thing. And uh, But he, yeah, it was a decent save on the penalty. I mean, it was probably a relatively poor penalty from Bell nice height really... for the keeper and all of that yeah, yeah. and you don't and he did it's a bit tame effort to be honest so uh, but he could have easily gone the wrong way and missed it um, not saving it kind of thing so yeah I think he's it was all, an alright performance by Turner last night it wasn't spectacular kind of thing but uh, we all know that um, Matt Sells will be in on uh, Saturday against his former club but I was a bit so I I'm a bit surprised with um, Vlakadimos. I would have thought he would have played last night. And if he can't get ahead of Matt Turner in a cup game with Matt Sells there, is his career, uh, for his career up? And if it is, that's nine million wasted on the on a keeper what's hardly played in. What we're yeah, do but I, I, either way, we've we've got eight million that's been spent on either. Sells or Turner or Vlakadimos that's, that's been been frittered yeah. away because all three of them aren't going to hang around, <laughs> you know, in that way, are they? So, no, so I, I agree with you uh, in that sense. I've I'm going to repeat my theory, which is I think that Nuno actually likes Turner. He just wants him to get some confidence and thinks he'll be a different. We'll see a different side. And there, there was a I did see a quote of an interview. I think Jamie posted it on Twitter uh, that he he put a little excerpt where Turner said everything that could have gone wrong this season has done. Normally, as a keeper, you have one or two moments where things go against you, but everything that that could have gone against me. Um, so I feel like I've had some really bad luck. And um, Baz, as a keeper, you make your own luck, though, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, it's I, I saw that interview, and yeah, it was it was a good interview in that he's coming out fighting. He's not going to be like cowed by the the situation that he's in which is kind of what you want to see 
And he's saying, um, like, yeah, as he said, everything that could have gone against me has gone against me, but that's not going to stop me. Um, he said he's not going to leave because he wants to play in the Premier League and this is where, that's where he feels like he belongs. So it's good to see that he's got that spirit still in him. It hasn't been beaten out of him by by the, the events of the last six months. But, um, yeah, I can't see him assuming Sells is in any way better, which we certainly hope you can't get three <laughs> dodgy keepers in one season. Can't um, we? <laughs> well, you just hope not. Um, but yeah, I can't see him like getting back into the squad in in, in, the, in the league in the short term just because Sales has come in now. Um, so yeah, definitely one of those two will have to leave um, and it looks like it's Vlacodimos that's going. Mm. And just uh, very quickly uh, with you, Baz, the other curio from last night, not curio, but um, something that, that I was very pleased to to kind of hear about is that um, Sam Bell missed the penalty, young player, 21 years old, you know, making his way in the championship for Bristol City. Uh, Moussa Niakate obviously missed the penalty for Senegal that sent them out of AFCON and um and Niakate, his initial instinct was obviously to celebrate. He congratulated his teammates and then he went over and he spent a good amount of time uh, talking to to Bell and Morgan Gibbs-White went over to him as well. And that's the kind of thing, I don't know, I'm I'm idealistic, I'm a traditionalist, I was brought up in the to the gospel of Clough, but that's the kind of thing I like to see, isn't it, for you, Baz? Yeah, it's... Um... And it's the sort of thing that Steve Cooper would have gone on about about the character of his players and things like that. And I'm sure we can touch on this in a bit uh, with some of the other stories, but um, that's it's, it's a, a, something I like to see and I hope that we carry on in that way. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, it was very classy from Musa and Morgan and Steak Up can Joe Warrell did it at the end of the playoff. Uh, everybody was celebrating and they consoled a couple of the uh, Huddersfield players and it is a class um, move. And near Carter, I mean, he was... Mainz's captain wasn't he before he joined us and he has got that uh, leadership quality I mean when uh, Turner made his mistake at Liverpool he like uh, Musa was like coming up to the like the fans even though the game was like just caught like lay off him kind of thing and mm. I think he's a very affectionate person and shows a lot of empathy which everybody makes mistakes and I think Musa just likes to show that and uh, just goes to show um, um, what is one is a very good player and he seems to be a very, very good team player and a character. And um, yeah, when you roll that into one, um, it does, um, it does look very good uh, for the club and the player. You're listening to 1865, not your Forest podcast. For the 23-24 season, 1865 is sponsored by Green King Sports, where football is more than a game. Their venues are showing every televised Forest fixture over the course of the season, so instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. They've launched the Green King Sports Instagram page, which will be home to fan content, deals and competitions throughout the season. They've already given away Champions League final tickets and signed shirts, so you don't want to miss out. Drop them a follow and you won't just be the first to know about all of this. You'll be helping us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast.
Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast with me, Rich Ferraro, and to our Friday Five on Friday, the 9th of February. So we've already heard a couple of stories that Jamie had brought up in his news roundup. We've talked a little bit about the Bristol City match. We've talked about the squad announcement as well, a 25-man squad. And we've touched upon some of the injured players getting some minutes back in their legs. Um, one of the... Uh, players who did play and there's some still some doubts about and we touched upon it ever so slightly but um Divock Origi there's been talk that he's going to go to the MLS um but we haven't got many fit strikers Baz so I mean I'm kind of ambivalent I just think the amount he's contributed in the Forest shirt means it doesn't make much difference to me if he stays or not especially now we've got Reina and Ribeiro on board what do you think yeah I mean obviously uh, I've not seen Ribeiro, so I, and I don't know very much about him. Uh, I can remember hearing about Rayner years and years ago. And so when I heard we were in for him, I was very excited about that. Uh, as for Origi, he's just, I, I don't, I, the times I've seen him play, he hasn't shown anything that to, to really stand out. So yeah, I wouldn't, uh, it's only the, the possibility of um, injuries to Taiwo and obviously with Chris Wood being out, that that's that's the thing to keep him rather than anything on his own merits for me. Tom, that's an expensive squad player to have, isn't it? It is, but thankfully he's only on loan, so he goes at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but no, he hasn't really done a lot. I mean, I know we all know he's been injured and he, did he miss pre-season? He wasn't ready at the start of the season and, and all that. I think he was like the... Second choice, I think the club actually wanted Michi Bashwai, didn't they, on deadline day? I'm not um, convinced that would have been amazingly better either. <laughs> no, but I think when you look at them both, it's like Michi Bashwai, he seems to be more of a starter than Origi. Origi was like a bit part player at Liverpool and he didn't really do anything at AC Milan, did he? And even Carragher mentioned on um, Stick to Football, he says Origi isn't that good of a footballer. And I think we're, he has a spell where you think, oh, we could do something. Then you don't see him for long periods. And last night, you, you didn't see much of him. He, he's about, it was a bit like a Rafik Jabal where the ball's basically just come off him and he's celebrated, he's got his goal and everything. But... Oh, you and Rafik Jabal, just let it go, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, Baz, just, um, I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like, you're signing a player who's got a really questionable fitness record, who hasn't got that strong a record in the Premier League and, and frankly, looks a bit fat. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you can kind of see why the side. He had that reputation at Liverpool for coming off the bench and scoring important goals, and you could see that that would be something that maybe Forrest needed. But he hasn't done, really done that either. So, uh, for whatever reason, so it's it's just like if if the offer comes in, then yeah, I won't be sad to see him go, and it's probably a good move for for everyone involved. And this neatly segues into the uh, other sort of striker story that Jamie brought us. So Chris Wood is out with a, a, a damaged hamstring for six to eight weeks. Now, funnily enough, obviously, we're playing Newcastle on Saturday and... Uh, our Jamie was talking to the guys at Toon Under Pod, who we're hoping to hear from in our match report at the weekend. And we're just comparing notes about the fact that they've had Wilson and Isaac alternating when one's injured, the other gets fit and vice versa. And Tom, that's how it feels with Wood and Tyro, isn't it? Like when one's one's available, the other's out and therefore we always look thin on the ground. 
Yeah, they're like passing ships in the night, aren't they? And um, yeah, and like I said earlier in this um, episode, if a one e gets injured, we're in the mire, aren't we? In terms of an attacking sense, because you can't rely on Origi with his. Uh, he hasn't really been prolific. He and then you obviously got the young lad. So uh, yeah, you just got to wrap him up in cotton wool and. In hindsight, I wouldn't have played a one last night, but there's nobody else, so probably he had to play kind of thing. So um, once Origi come off, so... On the other hand, you did mention Tyro, you know, could have done better with a chance. So maybe the minutes in his legs last night will help to contribute and get in that sharpness back because it's always sharpness that's the problem for strikers, isn't it? Yeah, and it's one of those, it's damned if you're damned if you are kind of thing regarding Awani. It's like you can see the reasons why you wouldn't have risked him last night, but then obviously you want to get him up to uh, format sharpness and uh, and get rid of the ring rules ready for this um, series of games, uh, especially the two back-to-back home games against Newcastle and West Ham. Um, if we if we do get maximum points out of them two games, um, yeah, I'll I feel more hopeful than I am at the moment because we played Bournemouth and it would have been, I know they're a bit of our bogey side, but we didn't really, um, even when they went down to 10 men, we didn't really threaten them, did we? And I just I just think with Luton doing quite well at the moment in terms of beat Brighton, they should have possibly beaten Newcastle at St. James's last week. It's kind of, they're on like a cusp, a cusp of a waiver at the moment, aren't they? And I think... We just got to like keep heads above water, but then this uh, points deduction, which may or may not happen, we just need to be over that threshold of what we need. Because, like I says, if we like lose ten points and get dragged in, it's it's one of them, isn't it? So, uh, we yeah, we just got to start winning our home games and get it back to being a fortress once again. Baz, the very mention of a points deduction made a big. I don't know if that was a wry smile or a big cheesy grin. I'm not quite sure. Well, it's um, I was I was thinking the other day um, because of Luton's little run that they're on. I was thinking that I bet Forest part of Forest's defence against the the charges is we were a mid table Championship squad. We had no choice but to spend all that money to try and bring ourselves up to speed. And then you look over your over your shoulder at Luton, who are a mid-table championship squad, and haven't really spent any money and are doing all right. So that kind of blows that out of the water, doesn't it? Well, yes, it does. I was just um, while you're talking, I was also just having a look at the fixture list, and the good news, Baz, is that um, it's another month before we play Brighton on the 10th of March. And bearing in mind that teams beginning with B, so we've had Blackpool, Bournemouth, Brentford and Bristol City (laughs) recently. So um, who knows what's going to happen against Brighton. Um, One player who won't be playing against Brighton is club skipper Joe Worrell, who has gone to, well, Besiktas. And uh, it is a loan with an option to buy. Um, Tom, I'm just going to throw it out there. Do you think he's ever going to pull on a red shirt for Forrest again? Uh, no, no. I, if we, if the worst comes to the worst and we do get relegated, I can see he's probably using him again. But I don't know how long his actual contract is it with Forest. If it's if he's out of contract, and but didn't he sign one? I think he's until twenty twenty six. I think. Yeah. yeah. So um, if we're a Premier League club, he will not play for us again. If we're a Championship, probably a sixty percent uh, chance. But uh, no, with Joe. Uh, I wish him all the best. Um, it's just his the last couple of months has 
with personal issues and being dropped and this, that and the other, and then the rumours and what's actually kicked off, we will probably never know. Um, and there's some fans out there who are giving him um, quite a bit of stick of how he's reacted to certain things. But we've got to remember that Joe um, has been with us since, what, 14? And he was the captain on the day that got us promoted. And um, I will never forget that moment as he stood at the uh, the council house in Slab Square um, holding the trophy aloft. And, um, yeah, I mean, he has had his limitations in the Premier League. One game is pretty decent and then the next game it's a bit of a car crash isn't it so so yeah I wish him the best of luck but uh, I I don't think we're going to see him in a foul shirt again unfortunately for Joe what do you reckon Baz I mean if uh, if if as Tom says if we do end up back in the championship then who knows we could end up with a a, a back uh, defend, line of defence which is comprising of Richie Larea, Joe Worrell and offering a new contract to Scott McKenna is it possible <laughs> um, um, I can't see it I mean Obviously, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I'd imagine that he probably feels quite hurt by it all as well, um, given given where he's from and, and everything. So whether he'd want to, even if the, if the offer came in, might be a different thing. I, obviously, it all depends on how things go for him in Turkey. But um, the thing that actually makes me quite sad about it is it's... Steve Cooper always spoke about having that that core of the players from Nottingham and how they understood the club and the traditions and all that sort of thing. But on top of that, um, Gary Brazil always used to talk about how he how he used to work very hard to build up the character of the players. And with Gary Brazil going and now Joe Worrell going, it's it's almost like the end of the Brazil era. Mm. Um, which and and it leads us into an era, an era of a bit of uncertainty, really, because we don't know quite what's going to come. Okay, so just with that in mind, then Baz, um, what is it that maybe sets Yatesy apart as being the last man standing of the of the Forest Academy? Um, he's probably made fewer mistakes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but well, now obviously Jono was went for the money. Um, I think. See, I think um, Joe Worrell could do it in the Premier League, but it's taken him taking him too long to sort of acclimatise. Yeah, he's never found the consistency, has he? As as Tom mm. mentioned, um, I will point out that there was a thread on Twitter, um, and I'm assuming it was serious, but you can never quite tell. Someone uh, I saw Ryan Yates's name pop up saying, "Yes, he's a defensive midfielder for Nottingham Forest. He frequently captains the team. He's got a great tackle rate, a great retention rate, um, and he could be a great fit." And you scroll back up the thread, it's looking for central defensive midfielders for Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if Yates scores, we're in the med. <laughs> Just talk about um, Ryan Yates. You can't fault his like attitude and professionalism and this, that, and the other. But I was getting a bit annoyed with him on uh, Sunday. He never, he never plays a forward pass, and it's very when he gets the ball, he always like looks sideways or backwards kind of thing. And uh, and uh, Graham Graham Souness was on um, Talk Sport, and he says, "How come no midfielders now are like box to box? They like kind of hiding, you know, when they like just slipping." between the uh, the centre-halves and everything, and nobody's putting any pressure on him. But back in his day, it's like a bit box-to-box. And, yeah, with Ryan Yates, I think he's he's going to be a, a decent squad player and nothing else. So I just like look, look at him and thinking, I just want a bit more from a 
a midfielder, you know, who starts quite a few games to, and he wants to carry the ball. And people are going to probably turn around and say, well, he did carry the ball against Man United, but nobody was in, went near him for 70 yards. So it's, <laughs> and I could do that if nobody's going to come near me. So, um, but, I'm not sure but, I could yeah. run 70 yards anymore, but anyway. <laughs> um, just the other gonna... thing to think just on that is that um, it's, um, if you think back to when we were in the Championship, and he started talking about how he was playing higher up the pitch and wanted to make those forward passes and stuff. And maybe it's this whole low block thing and the situation we found ourselves in has, has actually put him backwards as well. Well, I was going to I was going to say, so there's, there's a couple of potential counter arguments to what Tom mentioned. Uh, number one is that you just look at the stats. When Yates plays, Forrest are more likely to get good results. Uh, they win. They they win more matches and they lose fewer matches. Uh, so the points return when Yates is in the team is is higher. Now, obviously, there's all kinds of mitigating circumstances around results, no matter which way they go, and you cannot pin them on one player, not even Matt Turner. And the other thing that I would just Tom point can. out, okay, Tom can pin it on Matt Turner. Um, <laughs> the um, the other thing I'm just going to point out is that yeah, down to changes of tactics and formations, as you said, Bow. So moving to a low block. We really enjoyed seeing the best of Yates. There's that spell, wasn't there, when Forrest went to 4-3-3 last season, when it was um, Freuler with Kuyate and Yates either side. And Kuyate and Yates were playing as kind of genuine number eights and being able to run up and down those channels. So Yates can do it. It's just that the team has to be set up in a way that... And I, I don't think we get the best out of him when we're playing the four-two-three-one because he is sitting deeper and doing those sideways passes. Tom, you're desperate to come back at me there, aren't you? Uh, no, with the bit with the four-three-three with uh, when Furley and Kyoto is in there, yeah, I can't really um, disagree with you on uh, that one, really. I think it's... Yeah, I, I just think, yeah, you have to set the team up in a certain way to get maximum out of Ryan Yates and you probably hit the nail on the head with this um, low block it's probably uh, stopped his uh, development as as he was doing that kind of thing but uh, yeah I mean I'm not going to go out of town and have a massive go about Ryan Yates he does a job and that's it but uh, sometimes I'm I just want a midfielder who can like bring his further up the field and everything can be a bit box to box and yeah and I just, yeah, I just wish. Ryan we've still got probably... Dominguez and Sangare, you know, and that the idea being yeah. I think that they're going so to whether they can do well. it, whether they can do it, and hopefully that does happen when Sangare comes back in and Dominguez uh, gets um, gets this bit of a rest now because he's played a lot of matches. So, but but yeah, I won't go out of town having a um, a go at Ryan Yates, but sometimes I just want a bit more from my uh, central midfielder. Well, that's very good of you. Good of you, bearing in mind that you have done that about Matt Turner. Um, so, having talked Justified. about the downs, having talked about the downs, let's just finish on a high. We want to wish the best to Ola Aina, uh, Willy Bolly, Ibrahim Sangare, and latterly of Forest Serge Aurier, because it's the Afcon final on Sunday, and they're going to play there. Uh, the good news is it means that we'll get some of our squad back after that as well, and um, and we as get ever, one winner. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. We'll have some someone who's going to have had the tournament of their life. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to say thank you very much to Tom Newton and to Baz and also to you, listener, for joining us. Thank you also to Jamie for providing the news roundup. We will be back uh, on Sunday or Monday with your Newcastle match report. Uh, until then, thanks for listening and come on, you Reds.
Social Podcast Network.